Welcome to the Pickle Jar. I am your host, Jill Battle, and I am so excited to bring you today's episode because we have a very special guest in the Pickle Jar today with us, and that is our guest, Lisa Mannery, who's going to be sharing her journey and her recent diagnosis with Addison's disease. That is what's so exciting about Lisa opening up her heart and sharing with us today because she's just been diagnosed in the last few years. And not only was she diagnosed in the last few years, she was diagnosed through the pandemic, which made it even more challenging. So I am so grateful for her coming here today and opening her heart and sharing her journey with us because, well, that's basically what the pickle jar is all about. The pickle jar is all about bringing together that community building our Addison's family because we need that community of strength. We need that inspiration. We need that validation. I know I need it. I need that validation of hearing even recent stories like Lisa's um, to validate my own journey, what I've been on, because there's so many parallels between the journeys that we go on and we learn from each other. And it's just so important to build that hope and to give ourselves a voice because we need that voice to advocate for ourselves and to improve our quality of life and to, you know, advocate for change. We need change. We need treatment. And this is part of the way, part of the path of how I know we're going to get there. So I am so grateful for Lisa today. Um, Now, as I mentioned, I know Lisa's story is going to resonate with you. If you have Addison's disease, you're going to see parallels. There is some very interesting twists and turns to her story, which I know everyone's going to enjoy. I know I did when when I spoke the other day. Um, But her journey is especially important for those who are newly diagnosed to find hope and those who might be going through the diagnosis process. Um, I know you're going to get something from Lisa today that might help you on that journey. So um, let me tell you a little bit about our newest pickle, if Lisa doesn't (laughs) her pickle. Um, So Lisa lives in Southern Ontario. Lisa and I met through social media. Lisa actually mentioned um, the other day when we spoke that when she was going through her diagnosis, she had actually found some of my um, journey that I had shared on Facebook or on YouTube. She had found some of my YouTubes and she had found that very useful. So um, I'm going to post some stuff in the show notes later about the YouTube links and stuff. So if you want to check that out, you're welcome to do that. And this video is also going to be posted on the YouTube channel as well. Um, and Lisa, as I mentioned, she was diagnosed in 2019 and through the pandemic. And yeah, so we're going to start by first by just welcoming Lisa and thanking her for being here today. And Lisa, I would just love for you to start by sharing and telling us just a little bit about who you are as a person. Sure. Uh, so I'm Lisa. I have two amazing daughters and a wonderful husband who've helped me so much throughout this journey. Um, As you mentioned, support is so important um, and they've been just wonderful. Um, As well as all of my coworkers, I teach English as a second language uh, to adult newcomers to Canada. And uh, my supervisor and coworkers have just been amazingly supportive and really helpful in um, being able to continue working with this illness. Oh, you know what? That's wonderful for people to hear that there is hope, especially if they're going uh-huh. to, to know that they can have the support and get the information out there that so that their lives can continue so that they can. Right. It's really hard having an invisible illness and getting. Yeah. That, and that that is a, a big reason why I decided to reach out to you, because, again, as you mentioned, your videos 
um, early in my diagnosis just gave me so much hope. I saw someone who was fit and vibrant and living a good life um, while, you know, still potentially having a crisis and managing symptoms and, and but doing it all. And I just, um, I wasn't, I wasn't at that place at that time, right? I wasn't there yet. And uh, it just gave me so much hope that it was possible. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you for sharing that, Lisa, because you're right. It's, it's especially when I think when you're going through a diagnosis, you don't realize how sick you are and how weak you are. And, and it, and it's scary. It's the unknown. You're hear the words like rare and life-threatening and medication every day. And you just wonder, how am I going to manage? How am I going to do this? And I'm glad that you found those videos useful. And I know this is going to be very useful um, and, and give the same message to somebody else. So so let's start us on your journey of diagnosis and just kind of walk us through what happened and share with us. Yeah. Um, so this, my symptoms started in 2016. Um, although I had previously had other, other issues, I had chronic hives, I had low thyroid. Um, so I'd always kind of struggled with fatigue and, you know, unusual stuff going on. Um, but in 2016, I started having abdominal pain that was very unfamiliar. I started craving salt so badly. And I started the process of going to my doctor and getting rejected. And uh, um, just, I won't go through all the details, but just a couple examples of what happened. When I went the first time with the abdominal pain, I was told I should cut out sugar, oil, salt, alcohol, caffeine, and spicy food. And I went back a month later and I said, I followed all your instructions except salt. I can't do it. And she said, if you can't follow instructions, I can't help you. And everybody likes salt, just try harder. Um, but I couldn't do it. And I knew she wouldn't, she said she wouldn't help. So I didn't really go back for a while. Um, but over the years, more and more symptoms happened. I started having uh, chronic joint pain, more, just more fatigue. Um, I remember a day I was at the gym, the last day I went to the gym um, for years, I couldn't slow down the treadmill enough to keep up with it. I started at my usual walking pace and I thought, okay, if I can do five minutes, then I'll decide if I'm still too tired or, or if I can keep going. And I kept slowing it down, slowing it down. And when I was tripping on my feet at like level one, I realized, okay, that, that's not okay. I need to go back to the doctor. Um, so I, I kept going, I started doing my own research. I, the first time I'd heard about Addison's disease, I, I thought that there's a good chance that's what it is. So again, I went back to the doctor with that request saying, I'd like to be tested for Addison's disease. And I was told, oh, it's so rare. You couldn't have that. Sent home again with nothing. Um, I started developing hyperpigmentation most noticeably on my gums, like I had like dark spots, um, but generally all over, I'm like, it was winter and I look tanned. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Um, I lost my body hair. I started having migraines with aura that I'd never had before. Uh, I was so weak that I would pause on every stair. Um, at school, I couldn't write higher than 
than shoulder level. I, so, the, you know, the top half of my board was just wasted. I couldn't write that high. It was just too hard. I uh, couldn't go grocery shopping by myself. I needed my daughter to come and like pick up the groceries. I couldn't do it. You know, I needed, the, I was hanging onto the cart for dear life, like a walker at that point. Uh, <laughs> you know, just basic household tasks. I couldn't do it. Um, barely made it through work each day. And uh, I went back again with more detailed list of my symptoms and a detailed list of Addison's symptoms to say like, look how similar they are. Can we reevaluate this? And I was told like, first of all, they only book one issue per visit, um, which I think is a really dangerous policy because you can't solve a puzzle with just one piece. And I had a lot of different things going on and, and it was really only seeing them all together that really pointed to Addison's. You know, abdominal pain could be a million things. Fatigue could be a million things, you know, but having that whole package, I have nausea, um, vomiting every day, losing weight, um, yeah. not enough weight for them to be concerned. They're like, good job. And I'm like, it's not on purpose. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, I brought those, uh, those two papers and I, and I was told, I'm sorry, we can only deal with one issue per visit and you need to stop Googling stuff. I think that's really unrealistic. We're, we're going to Google stuff. And, and in this case, it, it may have saved my life, but that's, <laughs> who knows what could have happened. But I, uh, I think, um, yeah, sorry. sorry rambling. I, was just, I was just thinking of something and I just kind of going back on what, you know, what you've touched on somebody listening to this are so many of a lot of the symptoms you have mentioned are the classic Addison symptoms. Like these are the symptoms that are screaming to a physician, you know, like, you know, the salt yeah, thing, like salt. trying to explain, like, it wasn't just cutting out. It was, it was a need. It was an obsession. That's right. And, yeah. and I love what you did that you, you did what you were told you went out and you, and you went, okay, you okay. told me to do this. I did this, this, and this. Okay. But this, I can't do. And that yeah. should have opened eyes saying, okay, she did what we were, what we requested yeah. and still an issue. Um, and yeah. And, and it was and, <laughs> it didn't. And your organization, somebody going through a diagnosis, like you're organized with notes and yeah. information so that, especially when you're going through a diagnosis with this, I don't think a lot of us realize how sick we are and we can't think straight. So that's right. Notes are really key. And I love the shopping cart comment because <laughs> I can tell you when I, first diagnosed, I would take, I have twin daughters and they were like, I don't know. They were like maybe eight at the time. And we would like go to Walmart and my one daughter would be like, mommy, I'd push the cart for you. Cause they know I'd be having a bad day. And I would grab the cart <laughs> hold on. And she's like, what? I'm like, I need the cart to walk. And it would be like, and that was after I was diagnosed, I was still so weak. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I completely, it, while. That. it was like, you know what? Mom is holding on for dear life. <laughs> you guys just stay close case in case I need. Case, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that, <laughs> I completely get that one. So thank you for that. I really, yes. so, um, yeah. okay. So, so, so then my actual diagnosis, yeah. we're almost I, there. Uh, yeah. So I actually ended up at my, my dentist's office, um, just for a routine appointment this is the and problem. yeah. And he saw the hyperpigmentation and he had never seen that before. We talked about a couple of possibilities of what it could be. And he decided to refer me to a periodontist. 
and uh, I went to to see her and I think it was maybe five minutes into the appointment where she said you you need to be tested for Addison's uh, and I said well can you can you tell my doctor uh, and I told her briefly what I had told you about years of trying to get help and um I think uh, my last appointment with my doctor was just a couple of weeks before the periodontist and I was told, you should try Tums and maybe try taking a laxative. Um, so that's what I'd been doing to manage the digestive systems, but uh, digestive problems, but it was just, it was still getting worse. And so she sent a report to my family doctor and I got tested, I think the next couple of days. And then they called me at work and said, we have your results. You need to go to the hospital. Right. You need to go to the hospital now. <laughs> we don't understand how you're still working with numbers like this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, because you told me I was fine. <laughs> so I kept going. And the body, the body really is amazing. And I truly believe that as we get sick with Addison's disease, our body learns how to compensate and we learn how to, yes. and it learns yeah. how to survive. So I'm very grateful right. for that because I think it gets us to our diagnosis, but it's very misleading. People don't understand how we can still function when we're diagnosed. Are so desperately sick. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was having dreams of dying and yet still going to work most days. And I think one of the reasons is like, you know, I started in 2016 with these symptoms, and in 2019, like it was so gradual. You just, yes, it just slowly becomes normal that this is this is life now. Um, and yeah, you just kind of adapt to each little symptom as they pop up and how it just piles up and piles up. Um, I think I was headed towards a crisis. I think it was going to happen soon. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to get that help through my dentist and get that diagnosis. But yeah, definitely and, um, a lot of parallels in our story because I was diagnosed before a crisis. I also mm -hmm. had dreams. You had dreams of dying. I had dreams of my teeth falling out. Yes. You know, all the symptoms, I think the dreams, all those things are somehow signals from our body yeah, telling us that there's something wrong. So it's very important yeah. if you're listening to this to pay attention to even those things, because it might be a sign, something subconsciously, a communication that your body's trying to bring to your conscious mind. So be aware That's of right. all those little things. So, yes. Um, yeah. And so what I, what I really learned and what I'd like to share from my experience is not like you know, there's a lot of great doctors out there. Um, I just had difficulty communicating with mine on this issue. And um, I just want to share that if you're having a hard time getting help, um, there's some strategies you can use. And one of them that could have helped me would have been bringing a friend because I was so tired and so weak and so defeated that I was not able to advocate for myself. And I think having someone else there who was well enough um, and had seen what I was like at home or at work, you know, could have could have um, advocated for me better than I was able to for myself. Um, another option that worked again for me, and it was a little bit accidental, was you know, find another route. If you've got a wall here, go around the wall. Yeah. Um, so you know, find a way to get a second opinion whether it's going to an urgent care clinic or another healthcare professional, um, you know, find another way if you can. And then finally, I've heard of a way um, that some people have gotten results. I haven't done this personally. Um, I might have tried it if I had known this one, um, but to bring a letter, 
outlining what you're asking for and, and requesting that they sign it to show that they have refused what you've asked for. So in my case, asking for a simple blood test for Addison's, you know, I've refused uh, an Addison's test on this date. Um, they're not gonna wanna sign that, yes. right? It's much easier to sign the blood test requisition than sign a letter saying you're refusing care. Yes. Um, I, I expect that would be a very difficult conversation, um, you, but you know, if you're really stuck, I, that might be an option. Uh, if you've tried bringing an advocate for you, if you've tried finding a second opinion and you're still unwell and you're still not getting help, you, it, it's an idea that might help. But you're right. Like in these situations with any rare medical situation, most, a lot of endocrinologists don't have patients with Addison's disease, whether, right. let alone a family physician coming across it. So that's right. it'd be very rare and unusual for them to look into something like this. It would be very challenging for them. So we got to give them credit for that. Um, but I think that's a great idea. And if you're listening to this and you're wondering, um, about what blood tests can be done. Okay. So we're in Canada. So the blood tests that can be done, that's very simple to add on to a blood work. Many physicians will do the traditional cortisol, sodium, and potassium tests. Um, but I know for myself, we added on the ACTH test and the ACTH test, um, measures the hormone from your brain that stimulates your adrenal gland. So at my personal diagnosis, the traditional blood values were completely normal. My cortisol, my sodium, and my potassium looked like I was a normal human being. Um, but my ACTH levels were like 10 times higher and they grew to like 30 times higher in a few, um, within a week or two. So that basically told the doctor, my adrenal glands were failing. Okay. So my adrenal glands were working really hard. So it's, so that's the test that we were talking about. Now, what do I believe you had, you had the stimulation test as well, right? No, I didn't need that. Okay. So they did the 8am cortisol and the ACTH and the results were very obvious. My cortisol was very low and my ACTH was really high. So my brain is yelling at my adrenal glands, get to work. And they're saying, no way we're done. Um, so my endocrinologist saw the results and said, okay, so clearly this is primary primary in adrenal insufficiency and they didn't feel the need to do the stim test the stimulation test um yeah. basically like you said like you didn't go into crisis you were so fortunate but if something would have happened to you around that time it probably it could have been very deadly for you because you wouldn't yeah. have had the adrenal support and you would have gone into a crisis it would have some type of trauma whether it was illness an accident anything yeah. Experience. Yeah, if anything had happened, gone, you could have just gone into a crisis period. So that's right. Um, okay, so let's continue with your story. What else? All right. So uh, yeah, so the next thing I thought I'd share is what happened after my diagnosis. And I cannot believe the difference my very first hydrocortisone tablet made. I, I felt alive um, in a way that I hadn't felt in, in at least a year, probably longer as these symptoms were were progressing. I, I just, yeah, I just felt this life coming back, this hope coming back. I immediately stopped having any, any dreams about dying. Um, but <laughs> it was still a, a rocky, rocky first year. Um, so again, for anyone that's um, getting diagnosed, really give yourself time to learn and to rest and recover. Our bodies have gone through so much in that time of, of failing health. Um, so in my first year, I wasn't able to exercise, but I was slowly able to just 
do normal things around the house and at work and just, you know, everyday life was getting easier uh, day by day. I developed a really good relationship with my endocrinologist and we talked frequently about how I was feeling and made adjustments to my medications. We also sorted out um, some other issues that tend to go with Addison's like my vitamin D levels, my iron levels, um, my thyroid had kind of been jumping up and down a bit with this whole instability. And so once every little, every little piece that we sorted out, I started to feel a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And, um, and then unfortunately I had uh, my first crisis and that was, um, almost a year later. I had had a procedure done and I, I trusted that doctor when they told me, oh, it's a minor procedure. You don't need to updose. You won't need any IVs, steroids. You'll be fine. And I wasn't. I, I seemed fine when I left the procedure. They kept me, I think, for about 15 minutes or 30 minutes for observation and then sent me on my way. By the time I got home, I was nauseous, started vomiting. Um, it got so bad that I couldn't stop vomiting long enough to take medication. Um, and so we, we went to the hospital and I was there for about three days. And um, yeah, the ER was a bit of a challenge. So again, having an advocate with you is so important. We tried, um, the hospital that we went to had a volunteer doing intake to just kind of help with the burden on the staff there but they'd never heard of Addison's. And so they just kind of made a note, tuck it in the file, put the file away. They didn't tell anybody. Uh, so we waited a couple hours and my husband had tried to speak up a couple times saying, she's Addison's disease. We think she's in crisis. She needs help now. And we're like, okay, yeah, sit down, sir. She needs to wait just like everybody else. We'll see her when it's her turn. And uh, unfortunately I, 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 I made it through, I'm still here. Um, partly because my family did give me my emergency injection. So having that injection kit being prepared, so important. I had, I, I was in the hospital three days that time. And then about two weeks later, I was back in the hospital. I think I had just overdone it. Um, not recognizing that, you know, after a crisis, you're pretty vulnerable. Uh, so back in the hospital again, uh, um, a couple weeks later, and I learned from those, you know, I always have my, my bracelet, but you know, always have my emergency kit and I've added items to it that I find are really helpful to avoid going into a crisis. So I've got anti-nausea meds, I've got pain relievers in there. Um, and, uh, you know, just a couple of things that might keep me, keep me okay. Um, I also have a hospital bag packed with things that I might like to have if I'm staying in the hospital, because, in, the, in that moment where we're making the decision to go, I think I only said, I need my health card. And my, my daughter's like, what else do you need? I'm like, I, I, I need my health card. We gotta go, we gotta go. Um, so, you know, and then once I settled in, I'm like, oh, I'd like my phone and my charger. And, <laughs> uh, you know, some lip balm would be great. How about a toothbrush? Can I have a toothbrush? That would really help. Uh, so I've got this bag packed, ready to go. Everyone knows where it is. Um, I have extra medication by my bed. I have extra medication in the bathroom. <laughs> I have extra medication at work. Um, so even if that little emergency kit isn't immediately handy, I have, I have things where I'm most likely to need them. 
so being prepared for emergency, I think is just so important. And I, again, in that first couple of years, I, I learned so much about what I need. When is it, you know, when do I just need rest? When do I need salts or fluids? When do I really need to updose and, and maybe updose again and maybe go to the hospital? Um, all of those things are so important in improving the quality of life. So, you know, that first year, it was like a roller coaster of like really high highs and really low lows. And then the second year it was like a little high and a little low and, and it's starting to even out. So I have like little bumps and dips. And I've, I have stayed out of the hospital since uh, December, 2020. And you <laughs> Cross are- my fingers. Cause you never know if you, if you need to go, you need to go. And it's not yeah. nothing to be upset about. And, um, and mm-hmm. what you've just shared with us, like what you've learned since 2019 took me about 10 years to learn. So I'm very, very (laughs) into this. Um, And you're newly diagnosed. Please take Lisa's information she's giving you to heart and put everything into practice because it's truly what's going to make the difference in your quality of life. Not only in your quality of life, you're going to have better days. Like Lisa said, that roller coaster ride, the dips just over time, they're not as bad. And we learn to manage them. Every time you hit one, you're going to learn and you're going to come back fighting and you're going to be more prepared, but you have to be more prepared. You have to take those steps when you're feeling well to do things so that you're ready for the next low, because the lows are going to happen. There's no question about it. I'm sure it's going to happen. Lisa can, you know, testify this, this too. the more I have these bags packed, I have these things. We're going to do some podcast about what you should have in these bags um, and some ideas for everyone. But um, I feel less stress knowing I have these things in place, which is absolutely manage my Addison's disease because I know I'm ready. I'm ready to go. If I got to go again, it's go and I'm there as fast as I can. And that's all those tips that you gave are so, so crucial and everyone's got to put them on their to-do list completely. And I'll just mention too, I, so I've, I have been to the hospital now four times and every time they have reassured me it was the right call. Yes. So if you think you need to go, go. Yes. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited that I haven't had to go in a long time. That's, that feels really good. Um, But I would go in a heartbeat if I thought I had to, if I, if I wasn't, managing it well enough at home. And I think it's important because we're rare. You might end up in a a place where, or with staff or someone who's not too sure what to do. I always feel better knowing I have my stuff on me. So if I need to do it, I can do it. I can take my own blood pressure. I can give my emergency injection. I have my tablets stashed across the house, just like Lisa has. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case. It's a just in case thing, right? Like we just need to be prepared. So thank you so much. Um, okay, so let's continue. Okay. What else? Uh, <laughs> all right. So I guess the the uh, the other thing I wanted to share is that it can be really hard, not just physically, but psychologically, emotionally, living with a chronic illness. The permanence of it was really hard for me to accept and the severity of it, you know, the, the, the risk, you know, a, a small car accident could be life-threatening for me where it wouldn't be for someone else, right? So any little thing, um, you know, can be, can be more dangerous for us. And so that was really hard for me to get used to. And, and things like, I don't leave the house without emergency medication, right? I'm 
constantly aware of my own mortality and the seriousness of this disease. And so right from the very beginning, I found a lot of comfort in the serenity prayer. Um, it's not a, it's not a particularly religious prayer. So I'm not, not really going in that direction, but just the, the concept of acceptance, that serenity with accepting what we need to accept, the courage to change what we can change and the wisdom to know the difference and, and always trying to find that balance. Acceptance has been a big part of this. It's not, Addison's is not going away. Um, I can't avoid those bad days. I can't avoid, you know, potential crisis. Um, but there are things that I can change. I can still work, you know, to manage my symptoms with appropriate medication and an appropriate, um, you know, diet and, and lifestyle, reducing my stress. There's a lot of things I can do. And, and just holding on to that has brought me so much comfort. And uh, I bought this little stone. Um, my friend of mine actually wrote the prayer for me on this stone. So I can like literally hold on to this That's when awesome. I'm having those days or I'm like, this is just too much. I don't want this anymore. I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's brought me a lot of comfort. So I thought I'd share that as well. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's so important to find those things, whatever inspires us and can keep us going to the next day. Cause like you said, we're going to have low days. We're going to have bad days. It's scary. It's real. But one thing I love listening about to you saying, saying that you can hear the, the hope and the, the power in your voice about like, I'm moving forward with this. Like, you know yeah. what? I got this, but you know what? I got this. Okay. You yeah. know what? I got Addison's disease, but it doesn't have me and I'm going on with my life and I'm just going to deal with it day by day. And, and that's, what's very inspiring about your story. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. And I'm like, like you said, so I was diagnosed in, uh, in the spring of 2019. So we're like over three years in and I'm still improving. Yes. So, yes, you're right. you know, the progress has been slow. Um, but when I look back, I did keep a health journal. And, uh, you know, I look back at what those days were like, and I can see such a big change, you know, and the more I learn, and again, just I am, I'm still improving three years in. So again, if you're struggling, there's still hope. It's coming. It's coming. And I think it's great that you kept a journal, because I think as we go through this process, we forget everything that we've accomplished. You know, you forget where you've been and how far you've come and where you were and how, how bad things really were and how, you know, things are better today. So if things are better than what they were, they can get better again. And we need to recognize and acknowledge and be grateful about yeah. what we've been through because our bodies are amazing and our bodies have gotten us that far and we've gotten ourselves that far and we can keep going with it. And um, one thing I know you mentioned the other day when we spoke that I found really interesting is how you use your Fitbit. Oh yeah, right. So I got a Fitbit. <laughs> you use your Fitbit, and that's a sign for you when yes. your Addison's is starting to get a little, little wacky on you. That's that. right. So I would love for you to share that with us. Sure. So one of my trips to the hospital, um, I just I felt completely awful, and I didn't know it was wrong. So I, I just I had to go. And my resting heart rate was around 150. <laughs> that does not feel good. It feels like you're running a marathon when you're laying down and you can't, you can't stop. And the doctor took one look at me and says, oh my gosh, you're so dehydrated. I can see it in your face. 
And uh, so they gave me IV fluids and steroids. And I couldn't believe, like within just a few hours, I, I felt so much better again. So of course, as I mentioned, I have a good relationship with my endocrinologist. So I called her, this is what happened. Like, what do I do? And um, so she uh, changed one of my medications, which is Florinef, which is really important for managing our, our fluids and our electrolytes. And, uh, and then she said, she explained to me that when we're uh, dehydrated, our heart rate tends to go up and our blood pressure tends to go down. And I don't know why I wasn't feeling well. I didn't think to check my blood pressure. Um, but since then I've kept a, a Fitbit mostly just to track my heart rate. So I can see when my heart rate is a little higher than it normally is. I start drinking vegetable broth um, and, I, and I can get it back to a normal range before I have any symptoms. And again, you know, that's different than my first year with those high highs and those low lows. Now I can manage it before I even feel it. Oh, I love so you. You've already, love my Fitbit. <laughs> already learned the broth trick. I love it. I, drink I love, yeah, the vegetable broth, you got your, your yeah. water and your salt. <laughs> so when people go and they have coffee in their, their mugs, if I go shopping for a long day, I, <laughs> I take chicken broth with me to make sure I have so yeah, you're like 10 years ahead of me. So this is amazing. Well, you know, you're, you're one of the reasons oh, <laughs> you, you didn't have you as a resource. Well, thank and, you. um, and I did join some online support oh. groups, you know, ask lots of questions and, and, you know, read the questions that other people ask because you just don't know. And you've obviously, you know, you've educated yourself and used that as part of your power to advocate for yourself because you understand the illness. You've taken it step by step. Every obstacle you come up with, you're like, okay, let's think about this. Let's figure it out and let's see how we can make it better for next time. And that's all we can each do is, you know, this, this is the roadblock we're at. So how right. next time, if we hit it again, how, how are, how are we going to make it not as a big of a hurdle to get over? Yeah. That's those right. Hurdles, those bumps, everything, it's slowly going to get better and better and better. And I think that's a huge message yeah. today. So yeah. that's fabulous. Is there anything else about your story or that you can think that you would like to share with us today? Um, if you want, I can also share a little bit about um, body image that I mentioned yes. Yes. in our other chat. Um, so I've seen, again, in these online groups, so many people are concerned about the weight gain from steroids, which is very common. It can indicate that your dose is too high, but not always. And I experienced about a 50 pound weight gain in the first three months. It was really fast. And uh, it was really difficult to recognize myself. I, my face, the shape of my face changed. Everything changed really fast. And that was really challenging. And I, I try to, um, anytime it kind of brings me down, I try to remind myself, you know, some of the, my favorite people in my life are bigger people and I love them so much. So why would I love myself any less? No, exactly. And, you know, and, uh, and then of course, if that's not enough to make me feel better, I do remind myself I'd rather be fat than dead. Yes. So <laughs> pretty blunt, but um, sometimes, sometimes that helps. Right. And I, and I have not lost uh, much weight since uh, my journey started, but I feel so much more alive than I did, especially in that last year before my diagnosis. I'm, the weight is a really minor issue, but I do know for a lot of people starting out, it's scary 
to be putting on weight and putting on weight quickly. Yeah, no, and you're right. And I think, and you're right. I've seen that a lot in a lot of the Facebook groups and the chats, people concerned, mm-hmm. feel how it weighs on them. And, and I think that's great that you acknowledge that and, and say, Hey, you know what? It is what it is. And it is. we're alive and we're happy and that's, and we're healthy. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So perfect. For sure. Fabulous. All right. Any additional tips or anything like that, that you can think of that you can, <sighs> You had some, I mean, there's a whole bunch of great, great things in this episode. So thank you so much. I, I guess a couple of other things I've got reminders on my phone to take my meds. Cause it's hard, you know, it's not just once in the morning, it's throughout the day. I have a pill organizer so I can easily check, you know, when you get that on, like, did I take it? Did I not take it? You know? So I just, you know, I use my pill organizer. I, there's so many little things I could probably go on forever. <laughs> And you know what? And that's one of the episodes I'm going to have. I'm going to like consult with a bunch of us and like just all these little things that we do throughout the day because they become so normal to us. We don't realize all these little things that we put in place. Um, and we're going to put together a big episode of all these little things, tips and ideas so that people have ideas. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh yeah. Cause anything that we can do to make our lives easier, it's going to improve our quality of life. Cause we're going to function better. We're going to have our medication better, which means we're going to feel better. Yes. We're not going to go into crisis, and that's really, really the big thing. It's about keeping ourselves safe, and a lot of those little things often can can help us keep us safe. When you know the reminders and different things like that. Another thing that I tried to do, actually, a friend of mine with Addison's disease told me, is, and I'm just thinking about it now because I wanted to mention it, is if I ever not to feel well when I go to bed at night and I've taken extra medication, she's like, set an alarm for two to three hours so that you can wake up and you can check in on yourself because that's a fear of going to sleep and not being able to wake yourself up and extra medication. So, so that's just a quick tip that I kind of thought of at the top of my head there. So (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my, to my list of things now, because it is so scary going to sleep and if you don't feel well. Yeah. Um, and especially for you guys who are on tablets, I'm on the infusion pump still. So I know I have a little bit of a constant supply, but when you, when you're going to sleep without medication, it might be a good idea to set an alarm to, or for someone to check in on you. So, um, all right. Anything else before we wrap things up? I can't think of anything else right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lisa. Well, thank you again. Like this was absolutely. And I know, like I said, your story is just incredible. I'm so impressed that in three years you have learned <laughs> so much and you are such an advocate for yourself. And I'm so happy and grateful that you have a great support system. Um, you know, you have an, an amazing endocrinologist, you have coworkers, you have a family, you are taking this, you know, in strides. And that's an amazing message that people need to hear, especially if they're going through a diagnosis or they're new, newly diagnosed and they are scared and it's okay mm-hmm. to be scared and to be concerned right might feel like you're all alone. Um, but no, you're not all alone because you're going to get through this. The waves are going to get smaller. You're going to improve your quality of life. It's just not going to happen overnight. <laughs> That's, That's all. right. There are going to be bad days. <laughs> so thank you again. And if you are interested in sharing your story on the pickle jar, I'm always looking for people to jump in the jar with me. You can send me an email at the pickle jar at rogers.com and anything that you're willing to share. I am grateful for for you to be on an episode with me. Um, And of course, please subscribe, like, share. The more you can share and review um, this podcast, the faster we're going to build this community and get the word out because we know people need this community. They need the information. They need the hope. They need the inspiration. So 
thank you again, Lisa. I so, so appreciate this. And I'm so thankful for this episode. And until next time, be well, my pickles. 